Hi, I'm Josh. And I'm Matt. You're listening to The Standard Issue. Brought to you by the Scolium Institute, where new ideas are served fresh every day. Today's episode, briefcase clocks and pop-tart guns, historical focal points and the dangers of proximal knowledge. The study of history is the best medicine for a sick mind, for in history, you have a record of the infinite variety of human experience plainly set out for all to see. And in that record, you can find for yourself and your country both examples and warnings. Find things to take as models, base things, rotten through and through to avoid. Livy, the early histories of Rome. While I wish I could claim um, the authorship of this insight, one of the things we forget often whenever we are in any type of history class is why we study history, and more importantly, how complicated history can be. Um, yeah, the first thing that we're going to talk about tonight is actually uh, something that you came up with, right? It's called a, a historical focal point. Um, I mean, I don't want to step on, on your toes or, or define it wrong, so actually, do you want to take that away? Sure. A uh, historical focal point is pretty much just any point in history where there's a bunch of contention over what's going on. Kind of like whenever you have in a, a portrait a focal point, it's this piece, it's not a single dot, but it's this part of the painting that your eyes are just drawn to. And with mm-hmm. the case of a historical focal point, it is a point throughout history where many people's attention are, attentions are drawn towards. And now one of the complicated things about it is that these points that we usually draw ourselves to aren't necessarily cemented in what we consider an absolute reality. The absolute reality uh, being defined as everything that's ever happened, uh, not as in like everything that's written down in history. It's like beyond the current human understanding. Right. I mean, that kind of harkens back to uh, what we talked about um, with, you know, with, with solipsism, where we're actually in our solipsism podcast, rather, we're, we're actually giving something meaning. I mean, the universe doesn't really care about July 4th, you know, 1776. No one cares about uh, Sorry, History doesn't really uh, care about that. Uh, it's, it's us. We are the ones who kind of gave it. We, we chose to focus on that point. Something interesting to us happened. So we care about that. So that's a historical focal point, basically. Exactly. And so whenever we have one of these historical focal points, Usually what we have is we have the event as it actually happened, again, kind of beyond our full understanding. Mm-hmm. And then we have all these perceived interpretations of that event, w- what I would call perceived realities. Sure. Um, right. Because, I mean, you know, if you the, there's people say, like, if you, you have three different people witness the same event, you'll get three different stories of, of what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's and, you know, which one of them is right? The answer is probably none of them. You know, I mean, it. Whenever you look at like which one is 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 the absolute reality, because there obviously there's because things that there are things that go on that we're we can't even really perceive, uh, much less uh, try to understand. So mm-hmm. it's 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 a lot harder to to do that. So we're forced to kind of work with what we've got, and and that's going to lead to us having making inaccurate assumptions a lot of the time. Definitely, because. At least to our current level of technology, we have no way or no way of really being present at every moment ever. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that one could even uh, ponder is if we ever got to technology, if we'd even be humans anymore. Because it's this whole I not not idea. humans as we know ourselves yeah. now for sure. Definitely, we might still call ourselves that, but it would certainly mean something different than Definitely. what it means now. 
But within our own confines of human understanding, because today's topic is not where could humanity eventually go. We're not looking at transhumanism or Mm -hmm. the next possible stage of human evolution, but more so how do we understand our own evolution as uh, as humanity from the past to get us to the present kind of tying back in also some elements uh, that we had in the very first episode Mm -hmm. when we brought up all the uh, principles of selection sure definitely and we'll definitely get into that in more detail first but let's actually step back for a moment and analyze uh, a historical focal point what do you think about that sure sounds like fun which one do you want to do well, I mean, we have a lot of options here. I'll let you pick one of these. We have the foundation of the United States, uh, the beginning of the universe, 9-11, the Ferguson riots, and then we have the uh, day that Ahmed Muhammad brought a clock to school. Well, um, I, I'm, I'm a, I guess let's, let's go with the most recent. Uh, let's go with the Ahmed's uh, Ahmed. uh, clock. Yes. Uh, so for those of you out there who somehow have not heard about who Ahmed Muhammad is, uh, here's some general background. If you go on our thought catalog, we have a lot of information mm-hmm. uh, pulled from a bunch of different sources. But Ahmed Muhammad is a uh, student at MacArthur High School in Irving, Texas, part of the Irving Independent School District. And one day, he pretty much decided, hey, I am going to go bring this uh, clock of mine to show off to my engineering teacher. Um, he showed it to his engineering teacher. His engineering teacher's like, hey, this is cool. You probably shouldn't show this around, people. Uh, you know, just play it safe. But for whatever reason, he brought it with him. He brought it with him into his English class. And then the... Uh, the clock started going off. And Josh, you want to see what happened next? Uh, well, I mean, I, I'm not as well informed as you are on the subject, but uh, from from what I understand, what ha- what ended up happening was they uh, the it, had, it was mistaken for uh, potentially a, a terrorism threat. Like the mm-hmm. people in the classroom, the teacher included, were were frightened, uh, and they they kind of, the school kind of took it. It kind of blew it way out of proportion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they they ended up having the police called. The kid was handcuffed, and it was. Uh, I I don't I mean I don't know if it, I know that they they had said something about how uh, one of the police officers said like when they when they saw the kid like oh that's who I thought it would be, or that's who I thought it was or something like that, which kind of leads us into a little bit of you know, uh, racism. <laughs> Yeah, a, a bit of what's called Islamophobia too. Sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I mean, it's it's a situation where it. I don't really. I'm not really sure how it it could have. You know, it could have gotten that far. You know, I mean, obviously it did. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just it seems like it, it seems like no one was willing to listen to, to any kind of reason. I mean, there's they had. You know, they had a, a teacher there who who knew what it was. I mean, and would probably be the person to. You know, they should probably defer to his judgment as mm-hmm. the engineering teacher. But instead, they they just they let fear take over. Mm-hmm. I in the media reports, I didn't even see anything about them trying to contact the engineering teacher. It pretty much is just right. The English teacher is like, sure. Oh my God, this is a bomb, more or less. Right. And then called 
down to the office and then he was brought down there like there's like as right. you said there's no moment of rationality right yeah, yeah and i mean I, I don't mean like that they did talk to him i don't because i don't know if they yeah. did but the, the point is they had an a, a sort of an expert they to whom they could have deferred mm-hmm. uh and they they chose i mean you know like, like they chose the exact opposite of that they they chose to call in everyone else who doesn't know what they're talking about and let them decide what happened instead of what actually happened. Historical and focal point. <laughs> exactly. And so because of that, there are a lot of different reactions people have had and because of how they treated Ahmed in this case. Right. I mean, um, uh, you know, you have the way uh, Barack Obama reacted as soon as he saw everything went down yeah i mean yeah he invited the kid to the white house and of course you see lots of jokes about that on on the internet now it's like oh if i make a take a clock to school i get to go to the white house too you know i mean like and that's that's kind of not the point like he wouldn't have been offered that you know he wouldn't have been offered that or or any of the other things if um if they hadn't made such a big deal out of it uh you know so i mean like there's there's that be because uh, i mean if he, if he just brought a cool clock to school and everyone was and people acted normal about it, mm-hmm. you know, then uh, it would never have even been, it, he would never even would have found out about it. The president wouldn't have found out about that because it, would, it wouldn't have been interesting. It wouldn't have been, wor- you know, newsworthy or, or worth, worth him looking at. Yeah, I definitely feel like when people react in that way, they're kind of trivializing some of the events that went down too whenever they're saying, oh, I brought a clock to school. Why, why don't I get to see, or why doesn't this person get to go see it? They're right. not necessarily recognizing the fact that not only did this kid invent this thing or at least claim to have invented because we'll mm-hmm. get to that. There's some people who argue about that. Yeah. But rather, uh, the matter of fact is he got suspended for it and he got arrested for it. Right. Um, yeah. And I mean, it at the very, I mean, best case scenario it, with, uh, you know, uh, with us, if we say that. He wasn't mistreated for, you know, for being uh, of, you know, of, of, of a, for seeming to be of uh, Islamic or of, of Arab descent or anything like that. Even if we don't go with that, I mean, you've got a school who is basically just, he's pun- punishing this kid for basically the idea, for being creative or for trying to share, uh, share or spread their ideas. At least, you know, that's what, that's what it looks like. And, um. You know, I mean that, and there are there, those other things probably are factors in it too, which actually makes the situation worse. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes people just don't recognize that they are factors just because of how they perceive themselves too. Right. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I mean, exactly. I mean, you because you're in a situation with uh, where you know you would you wouldn't think you wouldn't expect it to happen to you know, to you. And I mean, and the other thing is too, like, would, would anything have happened at all if a, if anyone else had brought something like that in? I mean, I, I feel like the, uh, the Islamophobia, like, like you, the, that you had mentioned earlier, like that kind of, that probably was a big factor in it. At least it, that's, that's what it seems like, especially mm-hmm. whenever you look at like the police officer's reaction. Um, it's very possible that there was something else, but it, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, I don't think so. I no. think that there was Islamophobia going on here. Yeah, and even if we play devil's advocate with how the clock looks, because on the thought catalog you'll see the picture that's been circling around, and if you see it, you'll notice it's a a box that's opened up and it has a lot of wires in it, 
And it's kind of hard to tell without at least zooming in exactly what each part is. But to an untrained eye, you could see kind of where they might think it's a bomb. Though, of course, if someone thought it was a bomb, you would think that whenever it would have gone off in class that they would have said, oh, no, we're gone. Right, yeah, we would be dead instead of annoyed or or scared or or whatever um yeah i mean it it does it looks it looks what it looks like is it looks like a bomb would look in a movie Mm -hmm. and we all know that that maybe maybe a movie isn't the best source for for knowledge for things i mean realize there's uh that people pick up a lot of memes and things from all over the place uh and there's some source amnesia in there but pretty much if if you saw it in a movie you you may not want to defer to that in real life as in, in as a general rule of thumb. And we'll touch on source amnesia just a little bit later. Uh, but one interesting thing to comment on, too, bringing up movie bombs. Uh, in the article by Sarah Kaplan, or Kaplan, I'm not sure how her last name is pronounced. I'm sorry, Sarah, if you're out there listening. <laughs> but Sarah Kaplan and her uh, partner in this piece, Abby Phillip, uh, wrote an article called They Thought It Was a Bomb. Ninth grader arrested after bringing home a home-built clock to school for the Washington Post. It's a bit, bit of a mouthful to say for an article t- title, but at least it gets home the point. Mm-hmm. But within it, uh, there's this really critical point, part of which you referenced already, which is where we have one officer leaned back in his chair and said, that's who I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's followed up later on with, uh, they interrogated me. And searched through my stuff and took my tablet and my invention, the teen said. They were like, so you try to make a bomb? I told them no, I was trying to make a clock. But his questioner responded, it looks like a movie bomb to me. Right. So, I mean, in in this case, it's not even, you can't even give him the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, well, it's source amnesia. He knew he he was citing a movie as like the definitive um what you know this is what a bomb looks like uh kind you know kind of thing so i don't know it just it feels like it like to me the in this in this situation that they they kind of like blew it out of blew it a little bit out of proportion and then when they did that instead of of backtracking and admitting like oh maybe we shouldn't have done this you know they just kind of like stuck to their guns which people do and you probably and you probably shouldn't do that. Like, if, if you know you're wrong or if you figured out that you're wrong, it's probably better just to admit it because, you know, that, I mean, that, that, because the, the goal anytime you have an argument should be to, to seek the truth, to figure out exactly what's wrong. Um, if, because if you're just, if you're arguing just to win, like, that's, that's not, you're kind of missing the point there. That's not, uh, that's not the, the reason to have a discussion usually. Mm-mm. Definitely not. And if you're arguing like that, then you're probably going to end up just like the way this school was, which is where you get lots and lots of random strangers leaving you angry comments on your uh, public Facebook wall and other posts. (laughs) Right. There's a lot. Uh, We have a sampling of them on our thought catalog. All the names of the individuals who posted them have been changed to names of famous French authors. However, if you find that one of those posts were written by you and you would like us to actually credit you and link you or link it to your post, by all means, just let us know. We'll do it so. We just want to give a sense of privacy to these people, especially since we don't know them personally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 
I don't want there to be, I don't want you, to, you know, anyone to feel like if, you know, that we're not willing to, to credit you or anything. I just don't want to, or neither one of us actually wanted to take, you know, basically we didn't want to just assume that you would want your, uh, your post to be splat, uh, pushed out all over the internet, even, even further. I mean, it's, it's on there now, but you know, yeah, it's, it's on one Facebook. thing posting it on the school's page to show that you are an individual who is angry with their, uh, policies, it's another to be used as testimony to a historical event sure. all over the internet. Yeah, so, you know, we just wanted to err on the side of caution and, uh, and uh, you know, you absolutely just let us know. I mean, uh, drop us a line. You can, you can actually, hey, this is a perfect opportunity for us to, to plug our Twitter. You can, uh, you can tweet to us at uh, scolium underscore inst. Uh, and, or you can, you can drop us an email or, uh, you know, send us a, a Facebook message any way you want to get a hold of us. Uh, that's, that's perfectly fine. Indeed. So here's just a couple samplings of what people said. Again, we're just going to have this listed with, uh, out the actual name of the author here. Uh, such examples are your school district and law enforcement are a disgrace. By the way, you should change your motto to, Irving, where white children come first. And last but not least, if this kid turns into a terrorist, we can trace his motivation back to Irving and their racist attitudes. Who needs madrasas when we have Irving? It is hard to imagine how colossally stupid some teachers are. They should not be allowed in a classroom. Huh. Yeah, I mean, it's actually interesting that they, uh, the one guy that, that said, uh, or I assume it's a guy, the name's been changed, so I don't actually know. Uh, so that's my bad, but I'm going to, I'm just going to go ahead and just to make it easier, this person, uh, who said that, that, you know, where white children come first, it's, it's interesting because I wonder, I, mean, I don't know for sure, obviously, cause it didn't happen. Uh, it didn't happen this way, but I wonder if the same thing would have happened if there was, you know, if it was a white student, I don't, uh, cause I know a lot of people had said that the reaction wouldn't be the same, like the media reaction they wouldn't have gotten as much attention. But I wonder if may if if even it would even been blown out of proportion this way. Yeah, I um, mean, while there are definitely white bombers in history, mm-hmm. the more palpable social narrative of our time, ever since nine eleven, has True. been the Islamic terrorist. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the stereotypical terrorist now, unfortunately, mm-hmm. and and that's not you know. So I mean, we we end up in a situation now where we're you know, we're punishing people just for, for happening to be of, of a, you know, of a certain kind of ethnicity or a certain religion. And, uh, that's, you know, we don't, we don't really, we don't like that. That's bad. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's a situation where, where we have, uh, you know, it's, it's not necessarily that, that I don't, you know, that I, that I think that they, uh, that maybe they would have been in a situation where they wouldn't have gotten that, they wouldn't have gotten any kind of trouble for bringing something like that, but I don't think it would have been nearly as bad, especially when you look at some of the remarks that were made ab- just about his appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of a, it's almost overtly racist in in that Indeed. in that respect. So it's one of those things that can be easy to ignore uh, if you don't actually pay attention to those remarks. Yeah, de- I mean, definitely because they, I'm sure. I'm sure if you asked him, if you, you know, even the officer who made that comment, if you mm-hmm. asked him that, you know, he probably wouldn't, wouldn't say that in, you know, in, in normal, like in a normal conversation. 
um, or, or anything like that. Cause like most people aren't going to necessarily admit to being prejudiced mm-hmm. against people. Uh, they, you know, I mean, uh, it's, it's just, it, it kind of just happens that, you know, that way, like we've all got prejudices and biases and things like that. Uh, I, mean, I say all of us, but I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that, that nobody's perfect. So every, you know, everyone has some kind of cognitive bias of, of one, one sort or another. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, but most people don't like to admit to it. And that is definitely true. Um, that being said, uh, there were people who did stand up for the policies that took place. One of which, of course, is the school itself. That's not too surprising there. Mm. Uh, they released a comment shortly after that they entitled, We are committed to s- safety of every child, every campus, every day. Um, and I'll read it for you quickly. Our top priority is the safety of every child on every campus every day. When the homemade electronic device pictured here was discovered at MacArthur High School on Monday, school employees took precautions to alert police authorities. Our first obligation every day is to maintain a safe learning environment for all the more than 2,800 students at MacArthur High School and for all 35,000 students in Irving ISD. Students and staff should always immediately report if they observe any items or behavior that could indicate a potential threat to safety. That information should be reported to a school administrator or the police so that any precautions needed to absolutely ensure the safety of every person on campus can be taken right away. We will always take precautions to protect our students and keep our school community safe. If prohibited items, including weapons or items that could be perceived as posing a threat to student safety, are brought to school, these items will be managed in accordance with the Irving ISD's Student Code of Conduct, which is made available to every student and parent at the beginning of each school year. Um, as yeah. you can tell, it's kind—it's of, very objective with the response. Sure, yeah. Um, I mean, and it's probably more more well-written than some responses, uh, you know, could have been. <laughs> Definitely more well or better written than the Facebook posts that we yeah, just definitely. relayed. Yeah, um, I mean, and there were ev- there were even some some uh, people I believe that were not associated with the school pro- who who defended the school as well. Um, and it's it's not necessarily even that I disagree with uh, with their course of action, you know, with confiscating it or or, or whatever. the The issue really is is with the uh, is with the way they handled it after after the fact cuz no he shouldn't have been suspended for in my opinion i mean it should have been more like oh wow okay so maybe don't bring this to school again that wasn't you know what kind of freaked us out a little bit mm-hmm. be more careful in the future you know kind of deal and instead what they did is they they ended up in a they ended up with you know here they are with you know they they basically blew blew this out of out of proportion made a mistake and then they stuck to their guns on it, and were just like, "Well, no, we're not sorry about this. This is, you know, 100% his fault for bringing that thing to school." And it's probably it's probably a, a little less polarized than that. Mm-hmm. And at least that reaction, e- even though I don't like the fact that they didn't admit to anything, right. at least that reaction, that perceived reality, mm-hmm. is much better than some of the other reactions that are out there. Sure, absolutely. Uh, For example, there is at least uh, one article that claims that this whole thing, uh, this whole event with Ahmed and the clock was just some type of political misdirection, kind of ties into these conspiracy theories that the leftist media 
is trying to hide more important things or distract people from more important issues mm-hmm. while governments are taking our rights away. Again, it's very much a conspiracy theory. We're, we're not advocating that belief at all here. Mm-hmm. But uh, there is a person who is supposed to be an electronics expert at artvoice.com. I'm not familiar with this uh, this mm-hmm. website at all, but this guy's name's Anthony de Pascual, Pascal. Uh, and he supposedly made an exact duplicate of the clock. Mm-hmm. And he found a uh, there's a p- place online where you can buy clocks just like the one that Ahmed meant or made. Mm-hmm. And so people are saying that, oh, he just pretended to make it. He didn't make it at all. Uh, but then this kind of like begs a couple questions, really. Sure. I mean, one of which is like, okay, if he didn't make the clock, why would he even bring it to school? I mean, I mean right. is like, oh, showing off the skills to um, to the engineering teacher, but but really, it it, it just doesn't seem that interesting. Right. Really, it, it does. Yeah, the only thing that it does really is it puts it. It kind of gives am- ammunition for the conspiracy theorists who are gonna who who were, were saying things like, well, he didn't really bring that. He didn't really even bother to make the clock. He just he pretended to make the clock because he knew he'd get this reaction, mm-hmm. and then you know we would get the dis- the we would have that distraction from whatever other important issues are going on. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily buy it just because you can just because someone else can make the clock. Or just because you can, you know, you can find it on the internet doesn't mean that he didn't build it himself. I don't know that he did, or whether he did or didn't build it, but, um, but what they're saying, you know, basically they're making the claim that he didn't build it based on the fact that it's easy to find them somewhere else, and I'm not really sure. Uh, I'm not really sure that that's the right thing to do. Yeah, and it also devalues just Ahmed Muhammad as a whole, like making that claim that he made this up and then he's doing all these things for the media. Right. It it it's not exactly something that is necessarily free of Islamophobia. Sure. Yeah. Definitely. But this, of course, is not the only conspiracy theory uh, that's being put forth from uh, what happened. There is also a conspiracy theory that this is being uh, used to somehow advance his dad's political standings. I don't know if you had a chance to see the article or not, Josh. It's by uh, some blogger who goes by the name of Sundance. That means you have to accept him as credible, right? I mean, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, uh, come on. I, I would, I would definitely, I would trust that man with my life. I mean, he shares a name with an interna- uh, international film festival. That means you can tr- trust him with everything from your social security card to the keys to your apartment or other sure. building. Uh, anyway, though, in his blog post, briefcase clockmaker Ahmed Mohammed is son of Muslim activist. Update kids admit fourth thought knew it was going to be suspicious, which off the bat sounds like it is a very biased piece. Uh, he says, as many people thoroughly anticipated, the backstory to the 14-year-old briefcase clockmaker reflects his father as actually a rather controversial Muslim activist. This lends further credence towards a reasonable belief in his taking a briefcase clock to school was not as innocent as the media would leave everyone to believe. Doesn't really say anything. It's just 
trying to stir up these fears. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, you can check it out. Uh, it's it's in the thought catalog. Uh, the, I think the, the source, yeah, I'm looking at it right now is theconservativetreehouse.com. Um, so it you can you can easily you can easily find it. You can read the article for yourself. Let us know what you think. Um, but I mean, this that's you know it's it's another reaction basically to it. Um, but actually, that and you know the idea of uh, the idea of us not actually knowing what what happened or what went down uh, kind of ties nicely into our next idea: proximal knowledge. Oh yes, I love proximal knowledge. Uh, you wanna you wanna go ahead and explain that one? Yes. So not to be confused with uh, O. L. Mangasarian's E. W. Wilds and G. M. Fung's proximal knowledge based clarification uh, classification. My bad, misspoke. Uh, which is a essay on math that I can only partially understand. It's way beyond my level of understanding right now, uh, but it does tie into some similar themes. And the whole idea of proximal knowledge is proximal knowledge is an approximate knowledge of something uh, that is thought to be absolutely certain. So, you know, for example, I may have taken a single, let's say, single psychology class. This is not true. I've taken more than one psychology class. Mm -hmm. But just for example here, uh, let's say I've only taken one psychology class. Sure. And so I start making these very dogmatic claims that Freud's psychoanalytic theories are incredibly well received to this day. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. The proximal knowledge, which would be that claim, does not actually match up with what is the truth of today, which is Freud is strongly out of favor, except for like particular elements. He's more seen as a psychologist who has had a strong impact in history. He's kind of like a bookend in certain ways. Sure. But, you know, he's not the person you go to when you're trying to understand why it is you're having mental illness. Right. Um, but a good way of thinking about this is uh, proximal knowledge is, it evolves out of the dichotomy between absolute and perceived realities. The absolute reality, again, that's whatever happened in the entire scope of history beyond our knowledge. Mm -hmm. And the perceived knowledge, uh, perceived reality being constructed out of that reality that comes from the self. So okay. each person has a different perceived reality. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes those perceived realities line up with the absolute reality. Of course, there's sometimes we can't know for sure, but right. it'll line up. But in those moments, whenever it does not line up, that's mm -hmm. whenever we have proximal knowledge. Right. Uh, a good example of proximal knowledge taken from literature can be found in William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. Whenever Romeo comes into the tomb where Juliet is pretending to be dead uh, so that Romeo and her can live their lives together, mm -hmm. uh, she is unconscious, uh, having taken a poison that doesn't actually kill her, just a sleeping potion. Right. But Romeo doesn't realize this. And so, to the best of his knowledge, to his proximal knowledge, Juliet is dead. Therefore, he goes and he kills himself. Because the yeah. whole idea is he wants to be with her. Right. And then, of course, the cost of this knowledge is whenever Juliet wakes up, Romeo's dead. Right. And, and then she decides that she's going to kill herself. 
And so this here illustrates one of the key factors that lies in within proximal knowledge, and that is irony. Uh, irony cannot exist without proximal knowledge. Now, not all forms of proximal knowledge are necessarily going to be ironic, mm -hmm. but without proximal knowledge, irony cannot exist. Right. You need to make an assumption for it to be violated uh, in order to experience irony. And so... Uh, Irony is one of those terms that a lot of people claim to understand, but they don't necessarily understand. Um, a good example of this can be found within Alanis Morissette's song, Ironic. Hmm. Now, there are some things in that song that are, are ironic. Uh, I used to make a joke saying the only ironic thing about Alanis Morissette's ironic is that nothing in it's ironic, but that, that's not true. I went through the lyrics earlier today yeah. while I was prepping for the podcast. I'm like, okay, there's some that are, but whenever she's saying it's like rain on your wedding day, that's mm -hmm. not ironic. Right. It's it's mostly just a song about like terrible things happening to you. And then, I mean, some of that stuff would be, some of that stuff, would, you know, you, you would consider to be irony, but some of it's just bad luck and that's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the, much of the misunderstanding of irony ties in, again, what much what Josh has said, bad luck or bad timing, or they see it as coincidence. But what's required for irony to exist, and there are multiple forms of irony, sure. uh, but what are, what's required for irony to exist is the concept of intent right? or an, or an expectation. Yeah, there has to be an expectation that's violated. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So whenever you say you know it's like rain on a wedding day that's not ironic but let's say that the day before the wedding or even the morning of the wedding there was a weather report and that said it was going to be a clear skies perfect weather everything's going great mm -hmm. and then as the wedding went on it started the rain that would be ironic but it's not ironic because of the fact that there's a wedding going on it's ironic because the weather report doesn't match up with what's going on sure yeah everyone's expectation was that was that the weather would be fine. It turns out that it wasn't. Uh, another good example of irony can be found within one of my favorite movies, and that's Monty Python's The Life of Brian. <laughs> uh, Josh, would you like to, to take this one out with me? You could be Brian. I'll, I'll be, be Brian. Me. All right. Oh, uh, before before I uh, before we start, though, where can we find this? The, the Life of Brian. The Life of Brian. Uh, you can find it off of Amazon.com, but if you want to see the actual scene without purchasing the film, uh, there is a clip off of Monty Python's YouTube channel. Excellent. Uh, called uh, "He Is Not the Messiah." Yeah. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and uh, we'll go ahead and check that out. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and start. I'm gonna be Brian. So uh, here we go, and uh, here it is. Look, you've got it all wrong. You don't need to follow me. You don't need to follow anybody. You've got to think for yourselves. You're all individuals. Yes, we're all individuals. You're you're all different. Yes, we're all different. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so what's ironic in this case here is you have Brian who's telling these people to be themselves. And of course, everyone is saying, "Yes, they're all different or we're all different." Mm -hmm. And then you have that one person Who's saying, I'm not different. Except he is different because everyone else was saying that, you know, everyone else was following him, basically. So, proximal knowledge it can be expressed through irony, as we just said. But it can also be expressed through another way, which is source amnesia. 
Mm, my favorite. So source amnesia is what happens whenever one no longer is able to recall the source of information mm-hmm. or their mind starts combining old information and making new information that's no longer correct. Right. And you have to you have to realize that this can happen to you without you knowing. That's what's scary about it. Right. Um, I mean, I've it's it can go. It can, I mean, it can range from just inconvenient, like whenever I had to find a find a video that I had, you know, that I had learned uh, that I had, I had referenced in one of the other podcasts and I was, I was wrong about where I found it. It took me a couple of hours to actually find the original video. Uh, whereas I had remembered it accurately, it wouldn't have been, you know, that wouldn't have been the case, but it could also be, I mean, it can also lead to other like more severe consequences. Uh, think like going back to uh, a common meme that everyone, everyone seems to think of is when they get, when you get arrested, you get a, you get a phone call. Like that's your thing. Like I want my phone call. You don't really get like, that's not how the, that's not how it works when you get arrested. You don't, uh, there, you're not guaranteed any phone calls and it's not like you only get one. I mean, they'll, they'll let you call a couple of times. I have, I have a couple of I have a friend actually who uh, who has been in this situation a, ha- a handful of times. Um, they'll let you call a couple of people as long as you're not a jerk. <laughs> but if you if you if you uh, if you are uh, you know if you're rude or, or whatever, they might not let you call anybody because they don't have to. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you anger the cops, the cops can say no. <laughs> right. It's um, yeah. I mean, it's it's a situation like. Uh, you know, like that. So, I mean, it, whenever you, whenever that happens, uh, if you were to make the assumption that you're automatically entitled to one, to one phone call, which seems like a really arbitrary number, but what, whatever, that's that's what the meme is. Uh, if you if you felt that you were entitled to that or something, and you were acting acting that way, I mean, you could make a mistake uh, by making a decision based off of that information. Uh, it's not the only example of it. There's tons. But that's uh, that's a pretty common one, I think. Mm-hmm. Where and I'm sure that came from a movie that had to be. Like, oh yeah, that had to be a, a movie that people just took it and they're like, oh well, okay, that's you know they 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 saw it in the movie, they forgot that that's where they learned it from, and then it's kind of you know it found its way <laughs> out into the world, and uh, it's you know has uh, that's that's what's reproduced other you know in in the uh, in the the meme pool instead of what's actually accurate. And that's the most dangerous thing about proximal knowledge is the fact that proximal knowledge it generates memes. If, if you don't remember exactly what memes are, their ideas. If you want more information on memes and you haven't listened to our very first episode, you know, go back to that. Check out the thought catalog on that. We have a lot of information dealing with memes. But memes, as we say in that episode, they are always competing through uh, various means like natural selection, uh, the survival of the fittest. And so what happens when you have this proximal knowledge generating certain memes is that sometimes these memes can seem so authentic, seem so convincing that they can either overshadow the actual memes that um, are closer to the truth or what they can do is they can make it seem like the ones that are true are completely incorrect. I mean, all one has to do is just think of Jenny McCarthy and her uh, campaign against vaccination. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, it, we should, uh, I mean, there's 
definitely all kinds of uh, of things, and maybe we'll do an episode, an entire episode on, on epistemology later. But um, which that's the study of knowledge for uh, just for anyone. We'll probably drop that in the thought catalog as well, just so uh, mm-hmm. you can remember it. But um, you know, I mean, because it's it's easy to it's easy to take that idea because I mean, you probably have heard before that vac- you know, that vaccines are are bad and that they cause autism or that they, you know, actually make the population sicker or, or whatever there. That, that's not really what the actual evidence seems to, seems to point toward, but that is, but we, you get a lot of, a lot of people, it's not just Jenny McCarthy, but you get a lot of people who, um, who are, you know, who will choose not to vaccinate their children or, or whatever. And the, the issue with that, because it's, it, it is, uh, you know, you might say, okay, well, it's just these people's decision not to vaccinate their kids, so their kids are going to get sick and maybe die, and that's on them. But that's that's not the only issue because a lot of a lot of what make what makes vaccines work, uh, and we'll we'll put this in the uh, in the thought catalog as well. It's a concept called herd immunity, which is essentially it's the immunity of the group um, because uh, the whatever infectious agent. There, there is. It can't spread through the group because the individual members are immune, which will actually help protect the weaker members because they actually uh, because it won't it won't get spread to them. Uh, even even if there's someone who is immunocompromised, they may not be exposed to something uh, that could harm them because everyone else in the group is immune. So it can never actually it, there's not a host that can carry it to them. Um, so you uh, and the other the other problem is uh, is mutations. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know you have natural selection coming into this again. If a there's uh so we're all immune to to uh you know well whatever you know pathogen A we're immune to it right now. Um, but it let's say it can get into a person who doesn't have the immunity because they didn't have the vaccine. Oh no! Yeah, that would be a bad thing. Um, but here's the here's the issue. If if it's able to survive in the person long enough to mutate into a form that we with our immunity can't fight, then it we can start uh, you know, you can start infecting other people with a disease that was formerly cured essentially, uh, which is which is bad. And that's that is you know, that right there is a problem. Um, but you know, it's it's a counterpoint to the vaccines cause autism argument. And, and if you're in a situation, I, I think that what we should do is uh, is examine the evidence a little bit before we make that, you know, before you just make the decision that vaccines cause autism. There was a study that uh, that basically started this whole anti-vaccination craze mm-hmm. that, was, uh, that said that vaccines ended up uh, were linked to autism. Now, this study has actually been recanted. The, uh, the guy who created it falsified it and admitted to it later. So we're actually in a uh, so basically this th- this knowledge that has basically been admitted to like they admitted to it not being true uh, is still being used as a source to to claim that people shouldn't vaccinate their children and it's it's a public health hazard really and it ties into what Neil deGrasse Tyson mentions in more than one uh, video online. Oh, in the thought catalog, it's linked up from a scene from or that wasn't used in a documentary called "In God We Teach," but it's also used. I want to say it's either Star Talk, uh, it's something about him on UFOs. But anyway, it's the thing is called the argument from ignorance, 
And what the argument from ignorance is, is this concept where one encounters something one doesn't understand, and therefore one takes that thing we it uh, doesn't understand and explains it through something it does understand. So in the case of uh, more people being diagnosed with autism, it says, hey, people who get vaccinations uh, are getting autism, and there's been more people getting vaccinations, so vaccinations are causing autism. It's this whole idea that um, there's no evidence for it, but the brain has heard of this, Mm-hmm. And then it invents the evidence for it. Sure, yeah, it'll you know it's you get a confirmation bias sort of. It's it's maybe you don't want to believe it, but you think it's true. So you'll actually take the uh, so you'll you'll kind of ignore the all the the body of basically all of the scientific research that says that there is no that says that there's no link between vaccines and autism, and you'll find a couple of. Um, you know, you'll find a couple uh, of of, th- of sources, maybe that maybe not be so credible, that support your theory, well, your hypothesis. Since we're talking about science. Well, everyone, that's all the time we have for right now. So, just hang in there, and we'll continue this conversation next week. <laughs> <laughs>